Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Legal Wolf podcast which was set up to raise awareness of and tackle the stigma surrounding mental health not only within the UK where I'm based but around the world. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Salita Roberts who is a image coach geared towards women empowerment. Hi Salita. Hi Steve. How are you doing today? Thank you very much for having me. No problem. You're very welcome. Uh, I'm doing well. You? Uh, not too bad. Um, it's interesting that I was I was just mentioning I went for a drive today and realized that it's something that we needed to do a lot more. Most of the activities that we're doing throughout the pandemic because I'm yeah. suffering from a bit of motion sickness right now. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Right, so it's not pretty cool, but I'm doing well. Outside of that, I'm doing well. Good. So for the listeners, would you be able to give a bit of background about who you are? Oh, yes, absolutely. So first of all, it's, as I said, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you very much for that. Um, for your listeners and everyone just tuning into this conversation, my name is Solita Roberts. As Steve said, I'm an image coach and personal stylist specifically geared towards women, uh, empowerment. Um, I, one of the reasons I got into that because I know persons will ask questions like, why did you just brand yourself, not just brand yourself as a personal stylist, but one that deals with women empowerment. And I think it mainly stems from being the eldest of five girls and having to always, even though I was quiet, the quiet one I'm actually the smallest in terms of structure even though I'm the, the eldest um I've always had to like rally for my sisters and really like encourage not only encourage them to do um you know what whatever they want to do and set their minds to but it was always I had to be that force within the spaces that yeah. we were in so it's it's something that and I've realized even as I grew into adulthood and going into the work environment I kind of like something that I enjoyed you know standing up for women and really helping women be them, their better selves. So why not mirror the two things that I love, women empowerment and style, right? I've spent, before I started um, as an image coach, I was in banking for 15 years, which is something, if you had told me I would have been in banking for 15 years, I would have been like, hell no, because I wanted to be a lawyer when I was younger. So <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. And specifically, I wanted to be, either a corporate lawyer or a family lawyer. I was very specific as to what I wanted to do. But of course, life happened and I took a job in banking, gave them five years. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do five years. That was my goal. Five years to be able to raise funds and do everything that I need to do. Then of course, life happened again. And it's like, nope, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> right? So long and short of it, I spent 15 years plus in there. But I've had tremendous experiences in terms of being exposed not only to different people personalities but culture because the last uh, company that I worked for was a Swiss a Swiss wealth, manage, wealth management company so then I was exposed to a bit of Italian exposed to a bit of you know the European culture so it was even though it wasn't something that I wanted to do as a kid I can say that there are tremendous um, opportunities that came out of it lessons that I've learned and knowing that okay I don't want to be that person anymore. That tunnel vision, very, very methodical. So it's like, I need to get into my creative side. So I tapped into personal styling and image coaching. Yep. Wow, okay. Um, just, just out of interest, why specifically a corporate or a family lawyer? Because they are two very different. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that is a, so family, family law had to do specifically for me with as a as a kid going through in an environment where I found that kids weren't being supported right or the neglect that was happening in the homes that I thought you know parents should be paying more attention to what's happening and be better Mm -hmm. parents so it was me out of my own personal situation I was like okay I wanted to be at a family lawyer that helps families in this particular situation and more so giving kids the voice to be able to speak up when things are not okay in the home uh, corporate law, I was like, I don't want to be a criminal defense lawyer because I cannot deal with you telling me that you did it and I have to go and represent you. So I was like, what's the next best thing that, you know, has a little bit more work to it and variation? It's like, oh, 
corporate law kind of have that because you deal with different if you want if you're not specialized in a particular um industry then you know you're exposed to the different industries so those are my two reasons why i wanted to do that yeah okay okay and in terms of your lived experiences i know we discussed this in a conversation we had a few weeks ago um would you like to elaborate on the discussion that we had in terms of your lived experiences surrounding mental health yes absolutely and it's it's interesting you know when i think about it i growing up as i said when growing up mental health and being depressed or any of those type of conversations never happened in my home never happened in the circles that i was in and i know there's some persons that's listening going to be able to relate to this especially in the black communities if you get up and you say you're you're depressed or you're not feeling well it's like are you crazy brush that off you know get to work do what you got to do because life happens the, the the lesson that we were told is like life is tough you're gonna have difficult moments just get up and roll with it right and if you thought oh i struggled in in life it was like you're too you're you know strong enough like what's happening with you this this is not things that happen so depression and and anxiety and we're talking about someone being bipolar in the communities that I grew up in, the label that was given to those persons that they were crazy, right? And no one addressed the actual cause for what they were going through or try to help them in any way. And so it, it was unfortunate that in a, at an early age, I wasn't exposed to that. So whenever I felt overwhelmed, whenever I felt like, okay, things are not, you know, it's spinning and things are not necessarily going the way I would like them to go. I'm not able to handle certain things. I'm doing the, I did the same thing, which was, you know what, just get up, ignore what's going on and just kind of move in that direction. It wasn't until like most persons, COVID exposed a lot of things about ourselves, taught us a, a lot of lessons, both good and bad. And it wasn't until that moment where here is it. I made the decision to migrate, moving from Antigua to Atlanta, starting a whole new life. And I've never been that person who goes, like, I'm afraid of risk. I've never been that person who, like, you know, I'm like, put the, put the choice in front of me and I will go for it, right? I've always been that person. It's like, we're going to look at the pros and cons weigh the options and then it's like you make a decision from there so i've never been like afraid to take risks or afraid to do anything i wasn't afraid to move i wasn't afraid to start over i think what happened it was having this which i recently discovered it's like a romantic um i romanticized the process of what living in a new environment would be like starting over doing some things that i want to do so when that didn't happen and then COVID hit, it's like, okay, not only was I struggling before COVID in trying to find my path, decide, okay, what does my future look like? Because I've given up every single thing that I was accustomed to. And we may not, we take a lot of things for granted and not realizing until we don't have it anymore, as simple as driving. Like, I'm not a big fan of driving. But not being able to do that anymore, where I now have to go and learn how to drive, basically, because it's yeah. a different, it's a different, not only you're driving on a different side, but you also, you know, you drive longer and stuff like that. So those were the little things that I felt like my independence, I lost it. COVID hit, and in that process, it's like, what's happening? Where do I go? What, you know, what do I, who am I? There was that part of me. And growing a business, not going according to plan. I was in the worst state of my life. I've never been, I think at that point is when I'm like, oh, this is what, this is what depression is. This is what people talk about when they say life got the better of them. A lot of things happened out of their control. And it was, it was, it was a moment that I could not believe I was going through because I was tapping into that side of me which said you are stronger than this but here it is i could not 
tap into that side. There was no, I tried and every, it's like, I didn't have this, the energy or the strength to be able to do that. So I just, it, it was, I was fighting with myself. In a way I was fighting with myself, who I thought I was and what I was going through. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I, I was on a call recently where we were talking about mental health and one of the survivors that she'd been through several um, episodes of depression and just getting over it, it's like, she said something which I never actually thought of, but the suicidal voice in your head. That, I'm going to tell anybody that scared the living hell out of me because I'm like, Mm-hmm. how did I get to this space yeah how did I get to this space and then at that point it's like I think for me I still what what I'm grateful for is that I still had that side of my brain that was like okay this is new to you this is what's happening let's go get help let's let's yeah. find some someone to talk to and I know I spoke to you about it what it was like just trying to find help and staying on the phone for a while getting to get someone to come on that and like I'm still in that logical mind what happens to those persons who are not and they have to sit on a phone for a couple of minutes waiting on someone to connect with them and just kind of like okay can I just talk to you is what I'm feeling what I'm going through so mm-hmm. it's been an emotional roller coaster still a work in progress I wouldn't say I am totally through that experience it's a lived experience that I would forever forever just like remember and and knowing that okay at any moment I can lose it right and and that doesn't make me a bad person or that I can't handle life it's just that sometimes life gets life gets tough yeah yeah and it's funny that you mentioned about driving because I saw a post on LinkedIn from a prison law consultant in the UK who now we're allowed back out traveling so she's now allowed to travel to prisons and she went from her home to a prison in Manchester and back and she put on LinkedIn I drove from home to here and back and I'm shattered I have no idea how I managed to do this regularly on a daily basis before COVID. Um, And it's, it's right because it's going to take a while for people to build up their stamina for driving, to drive for long periods again. Yes. Yes. And instead of like how we were going before COVID, whereby you would see, seven eight nine clients in a day you would probably only start off seeing two one in the morning one in the afternoon because you're physically not able to drive any longer because where have we had to go for 12 months yeah yeah it's it's it was it was just one of those things that i'm like wait a minute who would have thought like something like this would because the body your body all the activity that we're accustomed to to doing and especially those persons who had you know the soccer mom who had the kids to drop off and then take to piano then go to work then pick them up then cook dinner yes you're still doing all of that but there's a difference between doing it in your space and having to do it outside where you're spending that time so it's like we have to like relearn all the things that we're accustomed to you know we we were doing before and I think one of the things as well is that we're not going to be reevaluating how we did things before. Is it, are we going to go back to that grind, 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 or are we going to realize that, okay, in order to protect my mental health, in order to be a better person mentally and physically, I need to reevaluate how I do certain things, right? What is important to me and knowing that there is time that I will need to take for myself to recharge as well. So I think as we go forward and people are going out a little bit more and experiencing the same things that you just mentioned in that, wow, 
I just went to the grocery store and it's not that I'm, I'm unfit. It's that I haven't done this for a while. So what are some of the things that I need to put back on? What are some of the things that I need to add? What's more important to me? And I think that's, that's going to be a shift. Hopefully it get us in the direction of taking better care of ourselves and recognizing the signs and knowing that we should be listening not only to our bodies, to our minds as well, and just being more conscious of the decisions that we make. Yeah, and I hope that the future is more of a hybrid setup whereby you can work from home, but yes. you've also got the option to work from yes. the office and vice versa. Because I think one thing that we've learned through COVID is Zoom. I mean, the guy who invented Zoom must be so rich now. Um, and then you've got Microsoft Teams. Um, and we can do business meetings over Zoom. I mean, doing this podcast over Zoom. Yes. It, it opens up the possibilities. Yeah, it, it certainly does. I, I remember the first time I saw a news reporter reporting the news from her home. I was like, had she went into her boss and said, can I work from home today reporting the news? It would have been, are you crazy? Do you understand what a reporter does? You have to go in the field. And, you know, as much as it's painful, the things that happen as a result of COVID, it also showed us there's a different way of life. And I hope like you, corporations take what's happening as, as a, a way of viewing business and the way they treat their, their employees and the way their employees work and realizing that we can get the work done. Because I think I read a study, most persons are worried that productivity will go down where it's just like, no, it actually went yeah. up, right? Yeah. And that's to show that you don't have to be confined to a cubicle to get work done. Yes, they're, they're different as, and we also realize that different um, essential, who's essential workers and who are not you know, essential. And for those essential workers, I think now we have to like shift the focus where we're giving those persons support. We're giving those persons, not just, not just the financial support, but the support when it comes to how much time do they have to spend at work? I mean, a nurse working 16, 18, and just rolling over the amount of hours, it's like, how efficient can she be? So I think it's, 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 it's an opportunity for different industries to restructure the way we do business and the way business is done. Yeah. And then for governments and institutions now to say, okay, we notice we are, when we're in a crisis, the persons that we're dependent on and that we need them at their best. How can we support them to ensure that they're their best, at their best and put in place policies that you cannot have a nurse or a doctor, anyone in the essential fields where they're doing these, these, these amount of hours because when they're burned out, being a lawyer or being a, you know, um, a stockbroker, you can't help them, right? It's the reverse. They're the ones that help us when we are not at our best, right? So we need to find a way to support them so that they can mentally be relieved to be able to just not be exhausted on a daily basis and working conditions that doesn't support them mentally. So I hope, I truly, like, I truly hope that corporations institutions, governments, everyone, like take a hard look at this and really say, okay, how can we do business better? And how can we be compassionate to people that at the end of the day, we took for granted and realized during this pandemic that, yeah, they're the ones that helped us survive essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And I've obviously had quite a few people on the podcast from America who have given their perception on how mental health is perceived within the US. How do you feel that mental health is perceived in the US? 
Oh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> as as yeah, as someone who is I, I often I still refer to myself as an in, an outsider within the system because yeah. I've grown up in the Caribbean. That's where I spent most of my life, and fortunately for us in the Caribbean, we've always been exposed to the world. We know what the world is, right? We know what you know different countries and locations and everything like that mental health as much as the conversation happens and it's like oh let's focus on you know ensuring that everyone is mentally and physically okay and we there's this language that comes out but I think when it comes to the actual action steps behind it I I want to say from what I've noticed from an outsider looking in that it's it's not taken with the level of seriousness that it should be and it's more of a buzzword sometimes because you go into take for instance a lawyer and it's billable hours it's billable hours it's billable hours but you may have someone in that company that's saying you know we need to protect our mental health we need to ensure that our employees are there but they're saying the words but not necessarily putting the action steps in place so if a mom says that you know I mentally have a lot going on right now not only with my family, with my, with, you know, being at work, I need a couple of days off. We don't say, yes, go ahead. We say, but when you leave, what's, so we look at the business aspect of it instead of, you know, yeah. can we help her protect her mental health, give her the break that she needs so that at the end of the day, she's coming back stronger and better. We, you know, we're looking at from it at that point. And I think that's kind of sad. I also feel as though mental health within the U.S. is something that, and I'm trying to make sure that I'm careful what I said here, in certain, in certain corners, it's used as an excuse for certain behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. So it's as a result, when someone claims that, oh, they did X, Y, and Z because they were mentally unstable, it puts those persons who are really suffering, who really need the help, place them in a box where they're now stigmatized, where there is this, yeah. oh, well, only people with mental issues. If you say you're depressed, if you say you're bipolar, if you say you're this, then yeah, you must be on the ledge of doing X, Y, and Z, right? And I think that's mm -hmm. unfair to persons that are genuinely struggling from that, genuinely seeking help every single day to get better, managing it, but we use it as an excuse to override something that someone would have done and honestly it it it's some when i look at the us we all still figuring at least for me trying to figure out how they're the um i mean i live here so maybe i should be careful what i say <laughs> but it's like you know the economic the, the 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 powerhouse of the world and everything it's like but there's certain fundamental things like mental health that is being neglected in my opinion. And it's being used as a way of not holding, not, not ho to hold, hold someone accountable for their actions without using something as serious as going through a mental depression or anything like that. Because it's not, it's from my, my own experience, I'm gonna tell you, no one gets up in the morning going, okay, I'm going to let life get me down so I can lie on the couch and not do anything today. Or I'm going to go call my doctors. Can you give me some pill because I'm depressed? No, you don't. You don't get up thinking, well, it's better to lie on my couch today than go do some work. You, you, you literally don't. Things happen. You find yourself that you can no longer control and manage whether or not it's your emotions. And when your emotions get to that point, it affects every aspect of you so it's it's that perception that to have a mental issue means that you're quote-unquote a danger okay. right it's it's like instead of us focusing on that can we focus on how can we help first of all recognize why people are suffering yeah. like why what was the cause that got you there what is happening and how can we help and put better structures and policies in place to help people that are struggling from this and not 
not use it as as an excuse to override something that someone has done. That's very interesting, particularly when you said that people use mental health as an excuse, particularly when you're in court, for instance, and they will plead saying that they are mentally ill. Now, there is a distinction between mad and bad. Yes. Just because you're mad doesn't make you bad. Exactly. And just because you're bad doesn't make you mad. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we need to move away from that kind of rhetoric. So, for instance, in the news quite often so recently I heard something on the news um, whereby an individual walked into Prince Andrew's estate spoke to the guards she told them that she was booked in to have a meal with him the guards believed her walked her in turns out she didn't and then she was detained under the mental health act because she was automatically deemed mad now, I'm stumped. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I personally don't see how she could be classed as, as mad because she's not really a danger to anyone. She didn't really do anything. Yeah. Really, it's the, it's the guards for believing her and letting her in. Surely they should have... I don't know, rang through to the house and said, are you expecting this person? They turn around and say no, and then she gets turned away. Yeah, exactly. Um, It it could have been a prank. It could have been anything. Um, And I think moving on to the next topic in terms of how we can tackle the stigma and normalise the conversation, it's stuff like media, TV, film, you've obviously got education um, and you've obviously got social media, which can be very polarised. Yes. Um, How do you feel that we can tackle the stigma through either social media, media or education? Uh, First of all, I'm not sure. Like, I'm going back. I'm still stomped on what you said that they deemed for mad. It's like... (laughs) I don't think that she was smart because she pulled out something yep. that the security should have been, <laughs> yep. should have yep. been more, you know, <laughs> it's like, no, that's a smart woman. You clearly have a fault in your system. But in terms of like, how can we really deal with the stigma? I think what happens is being able to have more of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Mental health has always been something that we have in private. Um, we may have it with one or two of our friends uh, in, in, in my community, Black community, it's not a conversation that necessarily happens. So it's now people like myself who, you know, with, that knows the history of the communities are saying, hey, we're going to have more conversations like this. It's not going to change it immediately. But if more Black women can say, this is how I struggle, if more Black men can say, this is how I struggle, right? there is that change that in in, in tide where we're recognizing it's not a specific race issue it -hmm. is an an issue that we all suffer from at some point or in in our lives and it's not an issue that the less fortunate or the too rich or the middle class no it affects us across the board um and it's not it's not about whether or not you have more money or not and if you have money, then you should be able to manage it because we tend to think that when we hear the rich and famous struggling mentally or commit suicide, we're like, well, you have all that money. How did you not, right? It's not, (laughs) it has nothing to do with your finances. It's about the demons that happen in your head and the the things that happen around you that, you know, overwhelms and consumes you. So I think it's, it starts with having these conversations and publicly having these conversations. I saw a post on LinkedIn where, a connection of mine she's a lawyer and she said that she'll probably lose clients for this but 
she struggles from mental health and you know mental issues and she's you know having certain challenges and I'm like what do you mean only to realize that apparently within certain uh industries and certain profession when you say you have this struggle it's like you're incapable of helping me you're okay. incapable of doing this and it's like what makes me incapable of if if i'm managing it right if i'm doing the therapy if i'm doing my breathing exercises and you know getting the help why do you deem me as less than a human being to deal with other issues mental health and struggling with mental issues has nothing to do with you not being qualified or good at your job or it's just something that for some of us happens with things that we deal with and the brain then works differently and you know chemical imbalances and stuff like that so it's just about balancing those and i i thought about it and i was like how many industries is this happening where you cannot mm. speak up or you cannot tell anyone within your industry that you suffer from mental you have you know you have depression or you're bipolar or anything like that it's like how many other industries does this happen in how many other areas in society is this happening where these conversations are not happening because people don't want to be stigmatized or don't want to be labeled uh, in an in a negative way and as a result yeah impacts not only you know their income but when we do that we add to what they're already feeling and add to what's already happening with them and i think it's having the conversations in those fields and being empathetic to people understand that even though you may not have ever in your life suffer from it even before like and before when i never had that crisis or never gone through that moment there was never one moment that someone said to me i think i'm depressed and i went oh, what's wrong with you you just need to no i never dismissed it it's like okay what's going on with you and i think we had this conversation before where we said you know you said that instead of asking the person how are you today and you know we get the default answer which is i'm okay i'm fine yeah. just find a different way to ask that person to generate a conversation to know how they're doing and being willing to listen right don't just ask the question as to how the person is doing because it's like the generic way of greeting someone that you mean and you say how are you doing today yeah. steve and you like oh i'm fine or you're like you know today's not really a good day for me this is what i'm going through but you already tuned out from the person as soon as the person said i'm fine you went already right but taking that moment to just really listen listen to no one is asking you to provide a solution and i think sometimes that's where the misconception is when someone expresses what they're going through we tend to think that we have to provide a solution like oh they're coming to me for a solution not necessarily right that person may be coming to you because they have no one else to talk to they have no one else to you know no way else to turn and they just want to unburden themselves so it's 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 not just us listening and uh, and having the education but we also need the policies to support it right we also need the stigma attached to it based on certain things that happen within society to be removed to say within a company that if someone is suffering from this don't dismiss them don't find another way of telling them that you're no longer employed when you know that's probably the reason why and create and make it away within companies within the faces that that's a priority giving people the proper time that they need away from from the the workforce and i'm going to as a woman yes i don't have a child but i always thought about you thinking of there's this woman that brought one or two human beings or three depending on how you know fortunate she mm-hmm. was into the world and then the world looks back at her because she's creating another generation but the world looks back and say okay we're just going to give you 3 to 6 months off and you know we need to get it's like I, but during that process it's like there's so much that she's dealing with how do we prioritize those events that's happening in 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 her life and give her the support that she needs and that's where the policies needs to change like okay we've seen it it's not just one woman is given birth there 
millions of women that have done it and we have known like the women go through different depression and state that they go through how are we not making the, the necessary changes within the companies to support them why are we still up to this day have the same maternity leave structure in place and it's like and then we say oh let's support you know women and and, and mothers when they you know they give birth it's like but the system is not there to support them we have to change the policy according to what we're saying we can't just say let's support women but when we look at the policy it's like okay you only get three months it's like how can we be of a better support system for them so I, it's it's us as individuals and corporations and policymakers to be able to charge that change yeah and i think everyone needs to work together and yes. they all need to be pushing in the, the same direction uh, yes. th there needs to be change within the workplace in terms of education i think perhaps if you educate children about mental health early enough obviously make it age appropriate yeah. but then you are giving them the tools and educating them about what mental health is yeah how you can get support for poor mental health so when the next generation grow up they should in theory be more un they should be more understanding of what mental health is how it can affect you and where you can get support yes. um so recently over in this country in the uk since the sarah everard murder which caused a lot of protests over here because it was allegedly a police officer that did it. Some schools have introduced um, classes on how to treat women, how to talk to women, how to act around women. Um, and that's, that's a very new thing that's happened in certain schools. I assume they're still doing it now. I don't know because it's not on the news and it's not current. Yeah. Because that's how the news works. It just moves to another topic because it's topical. Um, so I think education has a big role to play. Social media obviously has a big role to play. We tend to just hear the negative side of social media, whereby there's online bullying, online trolling, you can set up an account as easy as anything and you have zero accountability for your actions yeah um i know over here in the uk a lot of the football teams have taken a stand and they've they've all come together to come off social media and not post to just get rid of online hate but again is that really going to force change i mean it's a stand and I get it, but if you're gonna make real change, you need to get the big corporations like Facebook and Twitter. And I think Facebook own everything, don't they? They own Instagram, they own yeah. Snapchat, they What's own WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they need to kind of implement policies um, to try and get rid of all of this online hate online bullying and we don't tend to see a lot of the positives i mean we have since covid because there's been a lot of positives on tiktok with a lot of the videos that have been yeah. going out and various other things but we we don't tend to focus on what how powerful social media can be and it can cause and start social change yes. for instance black lives matter that just got so big so quickly because of the way it was promoted on on social media yeah, yeah. um so i think we need to see more of that side to it um and then the next question i probably wouldn't have asked if donald trump was still in office because he would have either sued me or <laughs> or done or done something um but obviously in the us you now have joe biden yeah 
what are your thoughts on whether or not the Joe Biden administration and if they will improve mental health support and care? Yeah, I, I again, I'm going to be mindful of my answer because, you know, you never know. Someone may decide to sue both of us, right? <laughs> but absolutely. Um, I think, personally, I think there is this, because of what we had before and we saw that, and, and this is when we talk about the messaging and the actions where they don't come yep. together. So here's it, you have, in the last four years, we're talking about bullying we're talking about teaching our kids about bullying we're talking about being respectful of each other and we're talking about you know not um you know supporting people that's going through mental challenges but yet we had a leader who ignored everything you know mm -hmm. that would you know certain sectors of society is working on so it was there's that conflict so now that we have a new president i think it's it's for me personally, I think there is this misconception. People are going to, they go into this with, oh my gosh, everything is going to change, right? We're going to get everything that we need and it's going to be perfect. I honestly don't think it is going to be perfect in the, four, the first four years. It's, and, and it's going to be because of this presumed expectation, because he's so different, because he's so caring, because he's such a human being, right? It's going to, there's this perception that automatically he's going to change not only the last four years, but some of these things didn't just happen in the last four years. What it did in the last four years is give it a voice that was public, that was, you know, in a space that everyone looked at. So whereas it, you and I may say something on the internet, it was like, okay, we're small people and it kind of like goes away, right? Or if a celebrity said something, you know, they lost some endorsements and that's it and they go away. But here is it, you had this very, very, very public and prominent figure that was saying certain things. So that section of society that supported and spoke the same language now came out to dominate the conversation and to dilute the work that needs to be done when it comes to mental health and mental issues. And now that we have Joe, the other side of the society was like, can we just love each other? Can we just support each other? Can we be a union? It's now, ex they're expecting that every single thing changes. And I think that expectation is going to somewhat affect what the next four years look like, what the next election looks like, because people are going to be like, you were supposed to come and change it all, but you didn't, which he's not able to do that in four years. It will not happen. No. The damage, it's like having a, it was like having a, 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 like an injury and there was this patch in it. We knew, like you can see that you have this injury. You can see that, you know, the parts of it that we'll pick at every now and then that will become public. Mm -hmm. But here's that you had someone who ripped it off who exposed everything yeah. and brought everything that we knew was there, but now we're seeing it. The doctor cannot, in Joe in this instance, cannot just automatically just find the different pieces of the skin that was tossed all yeah. over and kind of like replace that. Don't know why I'm using that as an analogy, but <laughs> we'll go with it. But yeah, he can't just fix, it's going to take several Joe Bidens. At, for me, if, the U.S. can maintain someone with that perspective and that level of decency and tact and people skills and everything. It will take the U.S. at least 15 years to even not for because it's four years. Wow. We're talking about four years. That's eight years is one president if you go two terms. I don't think the flip flopping of different personalities, especially when it's on when you're flip-flopping between the parties, we'll get it changed. It won't be done because what I'm seeing, you come in, you create policies, they can be good or bad. And then the other guy comes in and he overrides everything, creates his policies. And it's like, how can you get anything done? You need to have some form of stability. And yes, they say it is like, we need to have a bipartisan agreement and we all need to agree, but 
you're telling me agreeing on mental health and it's not something it's not as easy as it is like have you never had anyone in your family that has suffered don't you know a friend or anyone regardless of your political affiliation that have experienced this and try and come together and say how can we support each other and that's the thing that frustrates me more it's like there's politics politics will always be there but then there's certain things you don't play politics with so I personally don't think even if Joe gets eight years it's going to automatically change anything he's going to put like different steps in place different things that you know we can action that we can take but you're talking about overriding a system that went on a high for four years and bringing that temperature down it's not going to automatically go from high to like low because you have a new president especially when we're moving from from not so good to <laughs> you know when you do if, if you leave going on a consistent basis where you're getting that good volume you're getting that good flow then yeah but when you went as the direction that the u.s went in the last four yeah. years it's not as easy to stare the corner and, and create the changes that actually needs to happen at least that's my opinion no i mean i think one thing that trump did do was he brought about the phrase fake news and i think people are now finally realizing that uh, i think people are looking at news very skeptical now but was it in a good sense well i I think that's just for each individual to make their own opinions on Maybe the word that he used, maybe, but I, I know it, for me, it's like, what I, what I took from it is like, okay, people should, don't, don't take everything as face value that you see on uh-huh. the news, right? That's how I, because that's who I've yep. always been. Not because it's on the news, it's gospel. Yes, someone may uh-huh. have fact-checked it, but they fact-checked and left out something very important. Yeah. But not to get all political, but I I kind of think that when he spoke about fake news, it wasn't to say, manage the news for yourself, decipher what is right from wrong, but it was more of anything that's reported that's correct and we can factually prove it, as in, you mm-hmm. just said, Steve, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I heard yeah. you saying blah, 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 blah. And then yeah. it's reported exactly the way you said it. And it's now, oh, that's fake news. And I think that's where, no, it puts us in a different yeah. spectrum because th- there are uh-huh. those persons, when they hear certain things coming out of a person's mouth and being repeated by the news exactly the way it was said, they're now attaching fake news to it and saying, oh, that's fake news. Yeah. You just want to bring that person down. So that's where I'm like really skeptical in terms of saying that was a good thing. The uh-huh. good thing for uh-huh. what well, I'm hoping that majority of the population, which probably the world probably didn't happen, where people look at the news as, I don't need to take everything as gospel. I need to listen, I need to assess, and I need to make my own judgment on it. Why right? you don't buy everything, good or bad. In his case, I just kind of think he used it as a way to say what they were reporting which was in some cases a fact because it's a quote i can see you as an individual me looking Mm -hmm. at screen with you saying it and you said it and now you're trying to tell me what i heard was wrong it's Mm -hmm. not true and i think that's that's a way of going about it wrong right you you didn't educate people you you rallies people to not accept the truth when it's presented in front of them and it's not coming through a third party uh, a third party so i kind of mm. yeah i i have my own views on that so no yeah okay and what kind of policies would you like to come in in the u.s in regards to mental health uh i know they they the, the policy they like to say federal government or states shouldn't pass laws that um, affect corporations or affect private institutions. 
but I think they do have the power to, on a state level and on a federal level, look at the way companies do business, how employees are being treated and pass policies mandating companies to do certain things, right? And not just look at it as from an economic standpoint, because without, as someone who's been an employee before, I've always looked at it, we have a contract. The contract is for me to work and you pay. You pay, I work. That's the contract. If I don't work, your company doesn't necessarily get the, especially if you have a good, you have good employees, your, your company, mm-hmm. number one, your company won't be able to mass produce whatever is it, you know, service or products or services that you're doing. And yes, in the return, in return, if I don't work, I don't get paid. So I, you know, it affects my living. But I think what has happened is that companies for some reason have this monopoly on and dictates as to how things should be done, how the contract between themselves and their employees should operate. And should that employee not fulfill or measure up to what they think should happen, right? It becomes, okay, you're, 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 you're not useful. We have to find someone else and, and replace you. And most of the times people go through different things and they're burnt out, they're overworked, and these establishments don't recognize that. If you're going to ask someone to work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, just roll over and keep going, at some point in time, that person is going to break down, right? And I think the policies that we have to put in place needs to recognize that. Force companies to recognize that. Find better ways of managing your people. Find better ways of producing. We all, as as human beings, we need to make a living. We need to, you know, work. We get that. We cannot survive without it. But it shouldn't be at the expense. A company should not be looking at their financials and what it is you know, at the end of the year, what those payouts are going to be at the detriment of their employees. Regardless if you're working for a private institution or you're working for a public institution, it should be across the board where it's not mandated that this individual that you are saying, if you don't clock 60 hours, 70 hours a week, we don't see you as productive. You don't, it's like, are you, you, who are you? Who are these persons that are making these policies, right? The expectations that we put on each other is so great. But if you don't have the policing in place, you don't have the lead, not not leave it, not leaving it up to the companies to regulate it, but really from a government level to say that we have to look at it. Because at the end of the day, the country that we're living in wants to position themselves as you know, an economic force. You need the working force to be able to do that. You need the companies, the institutions to be able to produce the things that you need. So collectively, we need, we all need each other. So we need to provide and put policies in place that shows that we support each other, shows that it's, it's not a case of stigma, placing any type of stigma or placing any, you know, unexpected differences on people thinking that you know you should produce more and you should do more or you know it's it's collect I think it's a collective thing that we should work together because it's the only way we can we can change it and recognizing and knowing that yes it needs to be changed don't not because you may not be experiencing it in your company or in your country Mm -hmm. or in your home or in your space to think that mental health issues don't exist yeah uh, absolutely and I would like to think that COVID has brought a lot of these issues to the front because yeah. um, people are more, they're more willing to talk about their anxieties and, de- and depression because we've all gone through it. I mean, we've all gone through something that no one foresee. Um, 
it's been quite a turbulent 13, 14 months for the whole world. And I think it, it's brought people to appreciate the little things in life in terms of family, friends, taking the kids to school when they went to school, when yeah. the kids weren't at home being homeschooled. Whereas I think before the pandemic, it was very much very self-centred, um, very a me, me, me culture in terms of buying the flashy cars, the blingy watches, going on the extravagant holidays, whereby I think now people are more thinking not just about themselves, but how others are. I mean, I know in the UK there's been a, that community spirit that we had back in the war that community spirit has kind of come back because people are rallying around each other now we haven't had that for years yeah and i just hope that that stays so our restrictions are due to lift on the 21st of june theoretically um and i just hope that we don't automatically go back to how life was yeah being very self-centered and losing that community spirit i would like to think that that can remain and that we would be a better world for it i i, I agree with you I, that's my hope i and, and just looking at everything that happened within the last year, especially in the US as well, and then seeing how collectively that shifted, and I'm talking about Black Lives Matter and social yeah. injustice and racial injustice that happened. And then we saw it moved across you know, the world in different countries. It's like, do you understand the impact of that, that collectively, not just a race, but human beings stood up enough is enough, right? My hope is that in all aspects that we continue doing that. I fear that the human, like as human beings, we are, we're a strange being, we're a strange uh, creature in that we will go through an experience like this together and we will hold on to it for a while and then life, for some reason or not, all the things that were around us, where we go back to work, where we go out with our friends, where we play the tennis and we drive the fast cars and we do all of that, we kind of like lose that sense of purpose that we would have established during this time. And I want to give us the benefit of the doubt that even if a small percentage does go back to their version of normal that the majority of us remain um, focused and, and really like say, okay, we saw the necessity to be each other's support. There's the hashtag, we're in this together and in this together, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that it's in this together because we were going through a pandemic because we wanted to rally around each other when things were happening to another race that we didn't support. But we're in this together in that we can change the world, right? And if we keep doing, I think this gen, this, this time, I don't want to say generation, but this because it's different generations contributed to every, that collective of being together, that we can keep the momentum going as many of us as possible, keep the momentum going, because then we have the younger generation who's going to come into something that shows progress, that shows possibility, that shows that when we stand collectively together, we can create the changes that we want. Instead of us going back, waiting for another pandemic, another crisis to then rally around each other, and then we go back, it's like, oh, can we build on that? So I'm giving us as human beings the benefit of the doubt that the majority of us when things do open and the world opens up to all of us that we wouldn't lose sight of that very important fact that together we're able to create certain changes 
and together we can continue to make the progress and the changes that we want to see and i think it it will continue that way if to something if persons like yourself who tackled you know tackling mental health health issues continue the momentum try and bring more persons and have different conversations i mean i am an image coach right you'll be like an image coach and a mental health expert like that's some persons may see the title and be like okay that's kind of wonky but we're all regardless of our titles of experience something in life we've all gone through some form of struggle it may not be as great as another person but when you bring others outside of that bubble that you think that okay as a mental health expert I should only have conversations with persons in this field or doing work in this field then you lose the perspective of persons outside and you lose the opportunity to bring them inside the bubble and help create the changes because when I go to when I'm speaking to someone now it's not just and I mean I do that on my platform already before us engaging because I've struggled it's like can we talk about mental health please can we talk about this please and whatever the issues are more of us if we continue that i think it's 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 going to create the space that we really do see the progress it's not going to happen to think that it's happened overnight it's you know to be really wishful thinking but it's if we continue in this in this vein on this path i think that slowly but surely we will get to the position and and, and change some of the policies that we have in place Absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree any more with what you've said. And normally I finish on one fun question, but today I'm going to finish on two. Oh. So the <laughs> first one is if you could sit down with anyone for one night and they can be dead alive, fiction, non-fiction, who would it be and why so who would it be and why i i, I think there's quite a few on my list <laughs> but i'm going to go with rbg i honestly think that i mean we looked at her age obviously she was you know older age as you would put it out there but it's like she died before like way too soon right for a, i'm passionate about women empowerment and there's certain things that she have done and paved the way for us women and i don't think her work was finished and we need a lot more women like her where i look at her and i'm like you look at her you honestly wouldn't think all of that came out of such a small woman such a you know thoughts were going and then it's like wow so i think that's someone that i would i would really want to sit down with her and say okay what are some things can we do differently as women because it's not just about changing the policies it's about also changing our approach to certain things you know being a voice not just on issues that we feel as though we're marginalized on but issues that spread across race spread across uh industries and and come together as women because sometimes what happened we will have these conversations we have the women's march and yes we have a ton of women go out and have you know support and rally but how can we then change that into policies how can we get women into leadership mm-hmm. positions how can we support each other even if we don't necessarily experience the thing that another woman is talking about right and how did she i want to like how did you channel and navigate your way throughout that time in history when you're trying to make changes for women and and really help us right <laughs> guide us because we need more yes we have women that is doing that are doing it i wouldn't say they're not mm-hmm. women that's doing they're women every day that's doing it but i think it's 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 one of those things to recognize that what she did was great and that we need to continue to work and get women more into those leadership positions and 
not just one of us and then you know something like you passed on and then the position goes back to you know what we were trying to change but yeah. multiply it so that should one of us pass on there's another one to replace so that would be my i have a few but yeah I'll go with her. <laughs> okay and the second one is now the answers to this have been quite random um so if a movie director came to you and said i want to make a film about your life who do you want to play you who would it be oh. <laughs> <laughs> would you believe if i tell you that i heard the question i i can see her face and i'm like oh my gosh i can't remember her name <laughs> that one stopped me oh my gosh what's her name stella must die oh my gosh how can i forget who i want to play me like this is crazy no i, I see this is crazy this is crazy because there's viola davis i love her i love yeah. her outspokenness i love her you know the way she's paving the way and and being bold about certain things that she's doing but the woman that i want to play me it's flipping my mind like what's her name steve what's her name stella must die steve stella must die we're so gonna edit this steve okay uh, Stella, I, I cannot remember her name what what else has she been in uh Stella no Stella got her groove back that's the name Stella I cannot believe like I say this every single day someone asks me and I'm like I cannot believe that I don't remember that Angela Bassett that's who I want to play me I would love to meet her as well. I think it's women power and just like choosing the different roles based on her values, based on how she wants to tell her story. I think it's it's what I admire about her and not falling into that Hollywood stereotype of, okay, do whatever comes until you get the things that you want. It's like, no, I'm going to be specific to what I want to choose and how I want to represent myself on screen and also the women that I want to empower behind me. So I think, yeah, Angela Bassett, that's my, that's, that's who I would like to play me. Okay. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and I'm sure that the listeners would have taken a lot from this episode. Um, so once again, thank you for agreeing to be a guest on the show. No, thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. As I mentioned before, persons are going to see this title probably and think an image coach and a mental health uh, expert coming together. That's that's wonky. But I think, as I said before, it's an opportunity to expand the bubble and getting more persons in the conversation, being active and creating the changes that we need. So thank you very much for having me, Steve.